Thank you so much, Lord God, for uh, the expression of worship to you in so many different ways. I thank you, Lord God, how you have created us all so differently. And how you have allowed us as well, Lord God, to express that worship to you in freedom. Lord God, I pray that uh, your worship would just uh, combust, self-combust all in this place, Lord God. That uh, those of us who worship in music, song, in art, in dance, in the spoken word, in sculpture, Lord God, I pray uh, that the seed that you have already implanted in this place, Lord God, it's already there. My prayer is that you would allow it to mature and that it would grow that you may receive the glory. Now, Father, as we return our hearts and our minds to your word, Lord God, may you be blessed. May we receive your word with all strength. And may you be honored by our attempts, Lord God, of obeying and following you. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, there was a reality show on television which, uh, for a change, was not wrapped up in all the uh, usual controversy and wantonness. You, you know what I mean when I say wantonness, uh, uh, because I'm talking about depravity. Because most uh, pseudo-reality shows, somehow uh, they always manage to focus on, on these things that are not edifying. Uh, it always seems to speak of uh, what somebody else is doing to someone else in a negative way or what someone has done to someone in a negative way. All the language and the graphic stuff that goes on, uh, that has been the, uh, uh, the crux of what we have seen to be reality shows. Well, uh, these creators and producers, uh, they have figured out that uh, all these controversy and darknesses that we see, that it attracts viewers, so therefore uh, they wanted to keep on Keeping on. In fact, uh, the more crazy and sinful the acts were, uh, the more it was appealing not only to these creators and producers, but also, also really good to some of you. But one show stood out. It stood out for many others uh, because it was about a, a reverend that ran uh, his home in a way uh, that demonstrated uh, to a great degree the realness of being Christian. It was also attractive because he was also a former rapper or whatever he calls himself trying to do. But one uh, signature of this show was its sign-off. It regularly ended... Uh, with uh, the father relaxing, some of you remember, relaxing in the bathtub, right? In a bubble bath. Reflecting on the activities of the day. And he often began to reflect by providing us with words of wisdom. Uh, these words of wisdom, he would write them and you would hear his voice narrating uh, all at the same time. And then at the very end he would uh, sign off with these three words. Uh, you remember what they are? God is 
love. I don't know about you, but I've always wondered what exactly did he mean by that? I always ask that question, right? When I hear things of people talking about God or other people, I always ask, about, I ask the question, what does he or she mean by that? And quite frankly, these days, we cannot assume that when people are talking about God, that they're talking about the same thing that we're talking about, amen? So it became very interesting because uh, he never really explained to a great degree about those selected words. I don't know, maybe I missed it. I didn't watch it uh, very much. So if I, forget, uh, if I missed it somehow, you know, may the Lord forgive me. But what exactly was he trying to communicate? God is love. What, uh, what did he have on his mind? Well, one thing for sure is that uh, the vagueness of the message that it opened the door for multiple interpretations of what could have ultimately uh, diluted his intended purpose. Even with his uh, attempted, uh, uh, even with his attempt not to offend very uh, many people by saying God is love, people were still offended. People were asking the question, what does he mean by, uh, by bringing this God as love? I'm not into that religious stuff. And they went on and on and on, all about uh, concerning these last three words of his sign-off. God is love. But one thing we know for sure is that something is being, was being said about God. In fact, if you really think about it, most people uh, try to know something or try to say something about God anyway. For many folks, uh, uh, when they think of God, uh, they think about the man upstairs, which envisions an older man sitting uh, maybe in a rocking chair with a blanket around his legs, uh, maybe having putting things together and rocking back and forth and possibly intervening in the world affairs or maybe not. So in this uh, installment of the person fellowship and practice of love, we're going to take a look at God. And we're going to learn about one specific attribute of God. And because God is so infinitely perfect, some like to refer to God's uh, characteristics or his character uh, not simply as his attributes, but as God's perfection. First thing, God has uh, uh, two types, uh, two categories of perfections or attributes. One, uh, we in theological circles, we like to call it his incommunicable attributes or perfections, and also his communicable attributes or perfections. His incommunicable com communicable, uh, attributes are those things in which, uh, incommunicable, those things in which we do not share with God, incommunicable. Uh, the communicable, uh, those things that he has communicate or, uh, to others, are those things that we share with God. As an example of one uh, that is incommunicable, one that we do not share with God, is its eternality. God is eternal, amen? That means that he has no beginning, amen? And God has no end. 
this means that God's presence, uh, that it extends backwards and also forward endlessly without limitation or interruption. This attribute poses a great threat to those who suggest that God uh, does not exist, yet everything that exists, uh, that then evolved from something. In other words, they say, well, I don't believe that there was a God, but I believe that everything evolved from something else. It doesn't make sense, right? Because in order even for something to evolve, you had to have a first cause, Amen. You had to have something first in order to get where you are. Uh, things that did not just simply show up out of nowhere. Psalm 90 verse 2 says this of God. It says, before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Uh, this comforts our hearts. Because we know that God has always existed and he will never, ever, 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 ever cease to exist. He's not like you and I on this earth. You see, when we were born, uh, that there was a time when we did not exist. Amen? Uh, we, came into be we came into being uh, when we were conceived in the womb of our mother. Amen? But prior to that, where were you? We were nowhere. But God's incommunicable attributes of perfection also includes his omniscience that means that God knows everything do you know everything I know there's some people uh, that think they know everything all right my, my wife always says that about me well not always she used to say that about me amen yeah, I'll pray for her as she used to say that about me uh, but uh, God knows everything it's not like us we think we know everything until we find out that we don't know as much as we think we know. God is also omnipresent. Uh, that means that he's everywhere. Right? Uh, God is unlike the devil. Uh, some people say, well, the devil was in my room today. And also while he was in my room, he was also on the other side of the world causing all this mess over in Syria at the same time. Well, guess what? The devil is not omnipresent. The devil can't be there and here all at the same time. That is an attribute or perfection of God himself. So those are things, if you can imagine, are incommunicable. Oh, these are things which are true of God, but not true of us. But yet God also has communicable perfections or attributes that he also shares with us. One of those perfections is his wisdom in, uh, in Job chapter 12, verse 13. It says, with God, our wisdom and might, he has counsel and he has understanding. Uh, and, and we know that we share this, uh, this idea sometimes with, with God uh, because sometimes you have wisdom, don't you? Amen? Uh, sometimes you have understanding. Amen? There are times that you're able to help people out because of your wisdom and because of your understanding. And again, ladies, I appeal to you, please don't marry an old fool. Sidebar. When you get older, you're supposed to become wiser. 
So we know that God is all wise. This means that he always chooses the absolute best option of all options available without making a mistake or wishing he had, had, a, had another choice. So God doesn't uh, allow or choose to do things and say, oh man, I wish I would have done this instead. For us, you know, sometimes it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, sometimes we make the right decision. Sometimes we may not make the right decisions. We often doubt after making the decision, well, God, it never happens to him. But God's wisdom becomes communicable because we can always operate in God's wisdom to make the best choice. What does John, uh, James chapter 1 verse uh, 5 say? It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it what? Will, come on, it what? Will be given. James chapter 1 verse 5. If you don't have wisdom, ask God and he's going to give it to you. And then when you operate in that wisdom, guess what? In a way, you're going to be just like God. Amen? We know again that God, he always makes the best choice. And his words tell us that sometimes it is possible for us to make the right choice. But understand this, that when you ask God for wisdom, uh, you may be thinking to yourself, I've asked God for wisdom plenty of times. And it just seems like it was the wrong choice. Understand that the best choice may not be the choice we may want. You see, if you're walking uh, in tandem and in alignment with God and you ask God for wisdom and then all of a sudden you think that the decision you made was a bad decision, Guess what? That is probably the decision God needed for you to make. Why? Why? Because he figures that the other way around would have been too easy. Because had you gone the other way around, that you wouldn't have learned nothing. As some people say, you wouldn't have learned nothing. So God is saying that, you know, sometimes when you ask for wisdom and then you make a choice and then you say, man, that was the wrong thing. That may be just the right place that God wants you to be. And you say, I made the wrong choice. God said, no, you didn't. Because had I given you the wisdom to walk through, then you'd be walking around talking about what I done did. What I done done. Look at me. And God says, no, I'm not having any of that. Because you know how you are. As soon as you have one success, look at me. God says, okay, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I need for you to, I need for you to make this decision. So I'm going to give you the God decision. So God, he gives it to you. He gives it to you. But see, our, our idea of asking God for wisdom is to allow him to give us the brain power and the intellect to make the right decision so we ain't got to go through nothing. But God wants us sometimes to go through something because he knows when we go through something and then we spend time on our knees, amen? Other than that, we ain't got nothing to do with God. You know, the, 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 the most effective and fervent time we spend in prayer, you tell the truth now, is when you're having problems. When everything is good, you're like, hey, I'll just pray in the car on the way to work, Amen. Right? I just, I'll listen to the news or I'll listen to whoever you decide to listen to. I'll do that. But as soon as something is going on in your life, well, you know what? I just need to be late for work today because I got to get to the Lord. 
crying out to God because uh, uh, your child has gone wayward or there's an illness that has come into your life. You notice the difference and the degree in the depth of your prayer life when things are going on versus when things are not going on. So when scripture says, ask wisdom of the Lord, uh, God says, okay, now let's put it all together. Remember the scripture says that the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uh, you put it all together, that means that so when you pray and God gives you this wisdom, uh, and you heard me say this before, when you're praying to God, uh, the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, this is what they really say. And you're praying to, Lord, oh, Lord, take me out of this mess. Lord, oh, Lord, bring my child out of this mess. And the Holy Spirit has said, Lord, oh, Lord, what they said, let that kid go through. Lord, oh, Lord, what they're saying, go ahead and let them struggle a little bit more, right? Uh, th this, is what, uh, this is what the Holy Spirit, when he intercedes for us, is saying. But see, we don't want to hear that. And the reason we don't want to hear that, because that's not a good time. That's not a, that doesn't give us joy in our heart, because who wants to go through anything? I don't. I don't want to go through anything. I don't know about you. I want my life uh, to be like a, a floating on a bed of roses uh, where everything is, is, smells good and the sun is always shining. So God says, when you ask for wisdom for your situation, oh, he gives it to you. He answers your prayer. He just may not answer it the way that you expect so when you pray, you are praying faithfully to God. But don't think because everything has gone awry that God is not answering your prayer because he is. Because in the midst of that, it is the Holy Spirit who's interceding at the same time. Amen? Okay. All that was introduction. Now let's move into the heart of this message uh, talking about God's perfection. Remember God's perfection or his characteristics, uh, incommunicable uh, and also communicable. Uh, those things which are exist, uh, number one, only in him and those things that uh, he shares with us. Some uh, theologians call uh, this particular category uh, uh, moral attributes. And here it is. God is love. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. 
If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Well, what uh, God's love is not, uh, the love scripture speaks uh, of concerning God is not the kind of love that we see in the infatuation that a guy has for a girl and vice versa. It is not talking about uh, guys when you're walking down the street and you see that young lady and you say, girl, I love you. No, it's not talking about that. Uh, it's not even talking about ladies after you've been dating a guy for a couple of months uh, saying, oh, uh, I love that man, right? It's not talking about this temporary infatuation, right? Uh, because we know as a rule that men love with their eyes while women love with their ears. Another person said, uh, people fall in love, but they must learn to climb out of it. This is a picture of love that has been tainted with sin and also humanity. Uh, but the love we are most familiar with is that of the most selfish kind. Humanity's idea of love asks the question, uh, what's in it for me? But deep down inside, we know there is something innately erroneous about this type of love. Because of people's actions, we have begun to reject this idea about love. Love is nothing but a fantasy. Love is nothing but a figment of your imagination. Have you heard the conversations lately? Oh no, we don't need to get married. Uh, you know, we're just good the way we are. Yeah, we think we love each other. In other words, you want all the benefits without no commitments. Because of that thinking about love, the idea about love has been compromised. In Leo Tolstoy's novel, A War and Peace, one character said to another, and I quote, I only know two very real evils in life. Remorse. In illness. The only good is the absence of those evils. To live for myself, avoiding those evils, is my whole philosophy now. Another guy responded to him directly. He says, And what about loving one's neighbor? He says, What about self sacrifice? He says, uh, to live only so as not to do evil and not to have to repent is not enough. I live like that, he says. I live for myself, and it ruined my life. One way to ruin your life is to live without love, especially the love of God and the love of his people. So God's love is neither seen in an uncaring response to us that is only granted when we do something for him. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. In other words, I love you only if you do this for me. But we are constantly reminded that God demonstrated his love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Amen? This is what we have heard here. Again, 1 John, in the ninth verse, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. 
Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, so when we were again acting fools on this earth, that God died for all of humanity. Remember that one of the ways to help us study scripture is to recognize those things which are repeated and emphasized. You remember that from our Bible studies? It's very interesting that this very small book of 1 John, uh, compare 1 John to every single book in Scripture. Do you realize that uh, the word L-O-V-E, that it occurs uh, second only to the book of Psalms, uh, more times written than any other book in the Bible? So John is telling us, this is why this series is talking about love. He's telling us that we need to recognize God's love and that we need to learn to love. But remember this about God's love. God's love always has another one in mind. God always has someone else in mind. In other words, you can't be selfish and you can't love at the same time. Amen? God eternally gives himself to other folks. It's not just in the giving of oneself, but love also seeks the good of the one who's being loved. Let me flesh this out a little bit more for you. Most people in here that you, uh, uh, you have had children or raised children or been around folks who have children, amen? So when we think of raising children, one of the requirements we believe is raising them uh, uh, to love them to the max, amen, that we're supposed to love our children. We've talked about this before as we have witnessed parents loving their children sometimes even more than they love their own spouse. Uh, I'll die for my kid, but my spouse, uh, uh, I may have to let them go. So how do we express that love towards our children? It's very interesting that when we speak of love, it's oftentimes spoken of in terms of uh, 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 descriptions. So how do we, how do we uh, uh, speak of love? How do we show love for our children? One of the ways we do that is simply like this. By providing them food, shelter, and clothes on their back. Right? I know uh, some of us uh, have given uh, allowances to our children. And uh, they ask them, how come you don't give us allowance? Your allowance is that food that you had for dinner. Your allowance is that, uh, are those clothes and those shoes you have on your back? That's your allowance. But other ways we show, we demonstrate love for our children is by we give them gifts, don't we? We give them gifts. We give them gifts for their birthday. We give them gifts for Christmas. Why? Because we have to? Because what? But listen to this. Listen to this. Right? Because you've been good, I'm going to give you, I love you, and I'm going to give you a gift. Right? But what happens when that child is bad? You know what? You ain't getting nothing for your birthday. I've done it. Y'all keep, keep praying for my daughter. You ain't getting anything for Christmas because you've been bad. But see, what happens is when we equate the gift with love and then we don't give the gift, then what does that child think? 
child thinks that you don't love them anymore. That's difficult. Because you know on the one hand that, you know, this child needs to be disciplined. But then if you have all these years uh, have conditioned your child to equate the gift with love and then you don't give the gifts because you know sometimes these kids can be so bad. But I'm telling you that we need to think of these gifts in love in, in terms of how God looks at us. When you sin, when you sin, does God extract his salvation from you? Why not? Because he loves you. Oh yeah, he'll discipline you. And there is a difference between those folks who are talking about whether or not uh, they are really saved. Okay, that's a, that's a different issue. Uh, but when we have sinned, when we have fallen short in our daily life, God does not extract his salvation. This is love. This is true love. And we must consider this as well how we interact with our family. But what we're talking about here now, we're talking about how, how love seeks the goods of another. And again, this can be perceived either uh, positively or negatively. Remember the example of the teacher who insists that the student improves in a deficiency in writing. That, to meet, uh, that teacher demands that the student disciplines themselves and complete all the work and do extra credit if they can in order to fix their problem. The student who is not disciplined, they cry out and they complain because they don't understand why this teacher is doing all this to me and giving me all this homework. You see, when you really love someone and you really want God's best for their life, then you understand uh, the importance of discipline. See, if you want something bad enough, you'll make time and you'll discipline yourself to do it. Amen? You look at anybody in the world, anybody in the world, uh, I have to mention this to you. Over Labor Day weekend, I saw an interview uh, on uh, uh, C-SPAN and uh, one of the persons being interviewed was Kanye West. And I have to tell you, I gained a lot of respect from listening to him. Uh, but one of the things he says in this panel, one of the things they, they kind of talked about was people being lazy. Right? And, and, and the idea is that he said he works hard at what he does. He spends time. He says there's an innateness about what he does and how he thinks about his, about his music. In fact, one guy says that uh, it says uh, uh, Kanye West is like the Steve Jobs of music. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, uh, but anyway, it says that what he does is uh, he works He works really hard. And he's trying to figure out where all this stuff is going and what he hears. Uh, and he's like several years down the line. And then what he does, he takes all that and he pulls it back one year. And then he introduces that to everybody. But you see, in order for that to happen, there needs to be discipline in the life. And ultimately what he's looking at, yeah, he's looking to get paid, but he's looking at how he can transform things. How do we transform our life? How do we do it? How do we express love? How do we understand God's love, that God wants our, our best, and that means that things may not always be the way that we want them to be? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Uh, God saying, because, you know what? Uh, he says, I am love. And he says, because of that, uh, you share, we share uh, this with him. So because of that, he insists upon holiness in your life. He insists uh, that uh, you be right before him. Therefore, we understand that God is love and his insistence that we also love in our families and that we love also in our church. And you know, God is love. He doesn't have to rev himself up in order to get love. God does not have to rev himself up uh, by reading books or doing other things or sitting around journaling like we may do in order to maintain his love. We, in our love, are much like a sprayer, a sprayer I use in our garden, a sprayer. Like these sprayers, uh, I have a five-gallon sprayer I use in my yard to spray uh, insects or to spray weeds in my, in, in my yard. But what I have to do in order to uh, get the pressure out is not uh, done by the factory that you have to pump it with your hand. You know what I'm talking about? Right, you have to pump it like your mind. You pump it about when it first starts off. You have to pump it about five, uh, five to ten times, and then you press the button. This thing is all over the place. But one thing that you know that after a period of time, pretty soon that pressure it does what? It dies away, and then next thing you know is, oh, thank God it's Sunday because I need to go to church to get repressurized. So then uh, you have to pump it again, right? You pump it and 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 you pump it again and then you press it and what happens? You see what happens to us? What happens to us in our love sometimes because of all the pressures in life? Our love, it seeps out. That joy and that sense of holiness that it has a tendency to seep out of us. So therefore, we must run to God's love. We must run to his person. We must run to his people in order to be refilled and to be pressurized again. That does not mean that the Holy Spirit is gone because the Holy Spirit has sealed you. Amen? That means that we need a jump. That even though we share with God in his love, our love has a tendency to wane. You know what I'm talking about now. Uh, some of you have once said about a person that you know or knew or whatever, is that, I don't love you anymore. But what happened to your love? Uh, because even though that you know that you were uh, spreading it out uh, in that relationship, it lost pressure and you refused to pump it up. In our relationship with the Lord, the same thing must happen, that we must pump up that relationship with the Lord. It is true, it is solid, it is infinite, it is eternal once we accept Christ, but we gain the strength, we gain the fellowship of love by doing the things which identify us as his disciples. But God's not like this. 
God is consistent and dependable. His love is kind. His love is strong. God's love is intertwined in his truth, his righteousness, his goodness, his mercy, and also in his grace. God's love also offers choices to us as well. We can either accept God's love or we can reject it. But we can be assured of one thing, that his love is available to us. Because we see God's love in action, we must be compelled to imitate it whenever and wherever we can. In it, however, we must and we should gain a greater appreciation for who God is and how he reveals himself to us. So God is love. It is not just a concept for us to know and to understand, but it is a word and a principle for us to live by. Let's pray.